Welcome back to episode number 110 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's everybody's voice, guys. Um, thank you guys, man. I mean, it was it was um, Thanksgiving weekend, and um, the number of people buying through the Amazon affiliate link was just overwhelmingly positive, and I appreciate you guys doing that because it really does help me. I'm still not at goal for the year um, to be able to pay for all of the, uh, the the web hosting, but we're getting so close, and, and you guys are showing me that uh, this is something you guys want to keep keep around and, and keep listening to, so I really appreciate that, And um, but I really mean it. If you guys have comments or questions, concerns, anything that's bugging you has got to be bugging me, send it to me. Email me, jeff at thenpdude.com. You can tell me anything. I don't care what it is. It's a funny story. What happened to you? It could be an oppressive situation. It could be a contract-related issue. It could be employees. I don't care. I mean, if you want clinical-based stuff, that's fine. But I, there's tons of people doing that. And uh, and I don't think that's really what I'm good at. <laughs> I'm okay at being a clinician. But what, I'm, what I think I shine at is just the interpersonal relationship stuff in the office-type environment. And, and uh, just because of my background. I've spent so much time doing management and working with people in a professional setting and consulting, which is a different animal than uh, working in a hospital. And it's much more similar to working as a uh, in an office environment with, with uh, patients and, and other professionals and staff and, and all that good stuff. It's the same thing. Consulting is consulting. Whether you're an attorney or an engineer, an architect, uh, a nurse practitioner, it doesn't matter. Consulting is consulting. It's interpersonal relationships what it comes down to really boils down to that and sometimes I get it right sometimes I get it wrong and that's okay I mean it's we're all human right but every day you got to try to be better that's what I'm doing so um and helping you guys hopefully along the way too I don't know some people say I'm helping them the um Facebook likes we're up to 18 no I'm sorry 19 15 19 16 I don't know we had a big jump uh Chris Woods posted something on Facebook last night and I had a huge bump so thanks dude I appreciate that um it had really nothing to do with me he just kind of tagged me in there said you know I'm listening to the MP dude and uh then had a comment about you know people you scaring the hell out of them in practice not doing what they're what they should be doing as a clinician and he's seeing this in the realm of of being a student in the clinical world and um seeing people that that are providers that just are really lackadaisical and i think it's easy to get complacent with um with how you do stuff and so chris i think that's that's true dude that people do get that way and and it's really difficult to stay diligent it really is and and i've only been doing np world for about a year a little less and so I get that, and people are going to judge me for that, and I'm cool with it. That's true. It's a true statement. I'm not the be-all, end-all expert as a nurse practitioner, but when it comes to the legal side of stuff, I'm, you know, I'm pretty high up there. And uh, sometimes I get things wrong. Sometimes I get things. Sometimes I listen to my own stuff, and I'm like, man, I didn't really mean to say it that way, and it came out wrong. So call me out on that, guys. If you disagree with something I'm saying, you, you don't have to do it in a public forum where I'm going to, you know, come at you. I'm not going to do that. But I will reply, I will explain why I feel the way I feel or think the way I think, and um, just let me know. Don't forget, don't hesitate to do that. I'm not going to bite your head off. If you guys say, Jeff, you're wrong on this, tell me I'm wrong on something, guys. I want to hear it. Tell me I'm full of crap. I haven't heard I'm full of crap in a long time. And um, so, so, you know, I'm I'm not that great at this. (laughs) I'm average at best. I really am. Which leads me to... uh, Rating systems. You guys can keep giving me ratings. Face to, Facebook and iTunes. Facetunes. I just almost said Facetunes. <laughs> so give me a rating. Don't don't 
you hesitate. Give me what you think it is. If it's a four, it's a four. Five, awesome, but I don't think I'm that good. I got one one on iTunes, but there was no explanation why. So I think it was just, you know, somebody didn't really like what I do, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, but I'd like to know why. If you're going to give me a negative rating, all you got to do is just give me one sentence and say, I really don't like Jeff because I think he's an idiot. I don't care. That's fine. That's a, that's a legitimate <laughs> statement. I don't, it could be your opinion. Leads me to another thing I want to talk about. Opinions. Opinions are that. They're one person's opinion. Some people out there thinking that, you know, my opinion is, you know, the be-all, end-all of, of, um, how things are going to go, especially when I make predictions. Those are blatantly my opinions. And you may have a different opinion, and I'm asking and begging you guys to tell me yours. That's what I want. I want to hear opinions, because you might convince me otherwise. And and so I got some people that are that have seen um, some comments coming to me that are like, dude, you, you don't know what you're talking about. This is your, your stupid opinion. It's wrong. And I'm like, well, it might be wrong. <laughs> convince me. So I want to hear from you guys on this stuff. I really want to make this a dialogue back and forth from different people and, and come up with some good ideas on how we can address things. I really, really do. And I'm learning a lot from you guys too. So I do appreciate you doing that and uh, giving me some feedback because it is your time and your time is valuable. So I mentioned the Amazon affiliate link. How do you do it? How do you want to support the show? Here's how you do it. You go to thenpdude.com. You don't have to spend any money other than what you were going to spend anyways. So that's how you can give me some money is purchasing through my Amazon affiliate link. You can click on the link on my main page. What it does is it takes you right to Amazon. You do the shopping you otherwise would have done. It doesn't charge you a single dime more. How do I know? I use it myself. So it works. I know it works. I, I, I know how that's that's how it it. it just makes sense. There's no reason not to do it. So you can support the show by not spending another dime. All you do is go to my website, do the shopping through Amazon that you would have done anyways. It's fantastic. What's the funny thing I've seen today? Um, there's been some funny stuff. I posted that sweater. I, I swear to God, I almost, I was crying for like five minutes. It was so funny. Um, I don't know why it was so funny to me. I just wasn't expecting it from a nurse practitioner to have that sweater, but that's what it is. So you guys can go to my Facebook page and look and see which one I'm talking about. Um, I didn't put that on my main website just because, you know, we're kind of a little bit less formal, even more still on Facebook. So so I think it's more appropriate there, but I didn't want to leave that as a stain on my webpage forever and ever. Uh, but Facebook, I'll let stain it up, right? The uh, funny thing I said, I don't know, somebody bought like guava juice, like a 12-pack of guava juice. It sounds good. I don't know. I've never had it. Somebody tell me if it's good. I don't know. It sounds interesting. It was kind of expensive. So somebody bought a 12-pack of guava juice. I don't know. What else do we see in there? Um, somebody bought some uh, heat sensor thing for their uh, gas smoker. It was like a temperature control Wi-Fi thing. That was pretty cool. That was kind of neat. I don't have a smoker, but man, that would be cool. You, you don't have to do anything. You just kind of set it on your phone. You can control your you can control cooking your meat in your backyard without having to go outside. How awesome would that be? Especially in wintertime. Ohio, it's cold. That was neat. Anyways, there's a lot of cool stuff you guys are buying. I just love nurses. It's fun seeing what you guys... I can't tell what you buy or who you are, but I could just see the items that are purchased through my Amazon affiliate link. So go purchase up. I have no idea. If you're if you buying Christmas presents, now is the best time to do it. Go get it done before it's too late. It's not even December yet, but go do it. Um, other way you can support the show monetarily is you. there is a donate button there. I, I just It's there. If you want to donate a buck to me, if you think the show is worth a 
poot and you learn something and you feel, man, you know what, I would have paid paid somebody uh, for a CME for that quality of, of information, give me a buck or two, I don't care, whatever, I'll take it, it does, you don't have to do it, but it's all voluntary, that's what I like about this, this system, is that you don't have to do it, you still get 100% of the content, but I appreciate you helping me uh, keep things going. Topic one of the day, let's talk about opinions some more, huh? Opinions truly are like buttholes, right? Everybody's got one, and they all stink because they're all one-sided. I try to keep mine limited to the true core beliefs that I have as a libertarian, small L libertarian, leave me alone, not a political affiliation. I'm apolitical anymore. I used to be a Republican. I hate all of them anymore. It's a scam. So I'm not political in that standpoint, but I am judgmental towards politics and politicians. So when I say something bad about a Democrat, it's not as though I'm endorsing the Republican. That's the intent that people want to say. And it's vice versa. I'll say bad things about Republicans and Trump, which he's not a Republican. He's just a populist. I mean, the thing he did yesterday, over the weekend, he was with the uh, Navajo wind talkers that were the World War II vets, right? And he just was such a condescending shithead. What an asshole that guy is. And I've said it since he was running for office, that he was a schmuck, and that, that if we vote for this guy, we've lost our minds. And that's not an endorsement for any Democrat. That's just, I don't like that guy. <laughs> so, I mean... It's it's opinions, guys. Come on. So when when I see people making comments about my opinions, it's you know, use your brain, man. I mean, an opinion is an opinion. It's just what I think. If if that if that hurts your feelings because my opinion is is strong, then then you can either do two things. You can concede and say, you know what, I'm never going to convince that other person that their opinion is wrong. So we're going to say, you know what, let's agree to disagree and move on. We probably agree on 99% of the things out there. Let's just say, you know what, we don't agree with that, each other on that one. And let it lie. This goes for, uh, you know, family gatherings. <laughs> when people are giving you their opinions over Thanksgiving dinner. Nobody did that at my dinner. I mean, everybody's, we all get along well. But if, you know, you got that one relative, that brother-in-law or that sister-in-law that's just so opinionated and, oh gosh, they're the polar opposite of all my core beliefs. Just agree to disagree and don't bring it up. It's not worth it. Don't lose family members over an opinion. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, I just saw some posts on Facebook and I saw some things, some comments that came to me about my opinion. I'm like, let it roll, dude. It's my opinion. And if your opinion, I think, is the dumbest opinion ever, I'll just let it roll. But I'll explain why I think it's wrong. And if I can't convince you in, in a few short sentences, I'm probably not going to win you over. I'm going to move on. I'd rather just talk to people that are open-minded. And, and maybe I'm not being open-minded. I don't know. Call me out on it. If you think I'm a turd and I'm not listening to you guys, tell me. Um, so there's opinions. Hypothetical number one. This is our first real topic of the show. This show. Somebody contacted me and said, hey, I'm working in retail health. And I'm not going to say where they're working because I'm not giving anything away. I don't want to blow a HIPAA or I'm not going to get anybody in trouble. Retail health, the way it works in their system is that uh, if they see a patient that comes in, you know, urgent care type retail health, CVS, minute clinic type of thing. I don't know if that's who it is. So if I said it and that's what it is, they didn't even tell me who it was. I'm just using that as an example. Patient comes in on day one. 
you see them, you know, they're five hours of not feeling well, it's viral, it's clearly not a, you know, it's an upper respiratory virus, right, sinusitis type of thing. Sorry, here, you know, there's point them over into the counter that's over the counter and say there's some, you know, NyQuil over there or some, you know, Mucinex DM or something, whatever you want, whatever your preference is for over the counters. And you point them in that direction, say, go to that aisle, buy what you want, and uh, hope you feel better in the next couple days. But they come back within a period of time that's pre-established by the organization, whether it's seven days, 10 days, 12 days. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to use a number because I don't want to confuse anybody. But it's a set number of days. And they come back within that grace period. The person that is on staff, which is a different NP, the protocol is for them to automatically give them the antibiotic so that you don't waste time because you know you're going to give them an antibiotic if they come back if they've made the time and effort to come back a second time within a week and a half or whatever it is it's probably bacterial by then so whether it was viral when you first saw them and it changed to bacterial or it, there was two diseases going on at one time or you you know it's whatever you blew it and missed it and it was bacterial in the in first instance the the second NP just gives them an antibiotic they don't reassess them they don't see the patient they don't have their own chart on that patient. And they just cut them a, an antibiotic and say, here you go. Go right over to the pharmacy if you or go to the pharmacy of your choice. It doesn't really matter. And, um, you know, feel better. And the question was, is, is that a permitted? And in particular, it, was, you know, it wasn't asked of Ohio, but I'm going to link it to Ohio. And can it be permitted? It can be in some states. It just depends on what your Nurse Practice Act say, says that you are allowed to do to write a prescription for a person. In Ohio, it says that you, and it's pretty clear, it says you have to physically assess a patient to give them a medicine. Now, does that mean you have to physically assess them one time or each time? It's not, doesn't really get into that, but it just says you have to physically assess the patient. So in my particular instance, if I see a patient and it's in the same hypothetical, day one, viral, uh, give, tell them to go home, take some Tylenol, get some rest, sleep it off, you know, feel better. They come back a week later, 10 days later, whatever it is, and they're still, or they're the same or worse, I'm going to cut them an antibiotic. It's bacterial by then. They're not getting better. Let's just kill this thing. They can call me over the phone and say, Jeff, I, you know, I'm really sick. It's not getting better. I'll write them the antibiotic. I'll send it right to their pharmacy. There's no need for them to come back in because I've already assessed them for this illness. And they gave me enough over the phone that I can document that. And I document it. You know, patient was seen one week ago. Patient uh, continues to have uh, feverish chills, upper respiratory cough, you know, moist, productive, yellow phlegm. It started out as this, now it's that. That kind of thing. It's documented. It's my history. It's, it's you know, it's... it's it's my a continuance of my HPI, basically. And then I put in there, you know, uh, we'll call in, you know, whatever. Patient allergies to these types of antibiotics. We'll use this medicine. We'll call into their pharmacy and uh, have them follow up in 10 days to make sure it's gone. And then you, you, you call them, you, you call them or your staff calls them and says, hey, here's what Jeff says. This is what you're doing, right? And they kind of reiterate the, the, all the stuff. This usually works through multiple phone calls, by the way. So I get a phone call in that they're having a problem. I have a phone call back out saying, well, I'm seeing patients, you know, ask them what their symptoms are, how long has it been going on, 
Is it getting worse? All that stuff. Fever, chills, nausea, whatever it is. And then they send me back what the patient says, and then I go from there. That's usually how I do it. Sometimes I'll pick up the phone and talk to them. It just depends on my timing. If I'm out of the room and I can, they're on the phone, I'll talk to them. A lot of times I'm in the rooms. But in the retail clinic setting, is this a problem? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, if you've never seen this individual before in your entire life and you're going off the record of someone else that you hardly know and you don't work with that, I mean, they work in your clinic, but you don't work together. There's usually just one of you there. So you don't overlap. So you don't necessarily know the quality of that other NP's work. Does that mean that's something that I would want to rely on my, you know, maybe it was mono and you gave them moxicillin and they didn't document everything well and now they get a bad rash. Whose problem is it? From a liability standpoint, you're on the hook too. I mean, is there any real damage? Maybe, I don't know, if they get a huge red rash and it's itchy and, you know, maybe they have to lose work or something like that. And yeah, you could get sued for that. I could see potential damages with that. And it would be negligence because you didn't do your own thorough assessment, you know, get their, your own history taking, do your own physical assessment. Maybe they had splenomegaly. They would have been screaming mono. Woo! Whoops. Right? So just writing an antibiotic per a nomogram off of someone else's work may not be the smartest choice anyways. I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying that that's, I, I don't know. I would, I would really want to know the level of quality of the individual and do I really trust this individual that they're not going to put me, throw me under the bus. And that, that might be a bigger issue. But as far as in Ohio, if you, if you haven't physically assessed the patient, the rules are pretty clear. It's just like telemedicine. You, you, you kind of can't do it. You can't write a medicine for somebody that you don't have a chart on that has your name assigned with that. And I go one step further. It has to be the part of the same illness of the person that I've seen. So, like, I'll, you know, say, for example, I have a patient that um, I see six weeks ago for sinusitis. And then I give an antibiotic. It was clearly, you know, bacterial. And they, I, I treated it. It went away. They never came back and saw me. But, you know, two months later, they call me up and say, hey, I got a UTI. Jeff said I could call for an antibiotic. Wrong. You got to come in, dude. That's a different illness. You know, if, if, if I give somebody, um, you know, amoxicillin or augmentin or something and, uh, you know, they're not feeling better a week later and they call up and say, look, I'm still not feeling, I feel maybe a little better, but I still feel like crap. It's not, it seems like it's doing a good job. What do you, what, what can we do? Well, I'll switch the medicine on. I don't, they don't need to come in for that. I already have a chart on same illness. That's the threshold I use. So it would make me nervous if I was in a retail clinic and I was writing things for people that was a matter of course because of a business decision to save time. I would want to re-see those people. Now, the, the company may not want to charge them because that's bad business. Look, we failed you. It's like a money-back guarantee. You come back in, it's retail, right? It's like, uh, you know, you didn't get what you paid for. You didn't get better. So they come back and it's free. Now they're taking up your time. Now your productivity sucks. You know, if everybody came back a week later because of a virus went to a cold and they got a free antibiotic or free visit to get an antibiotic, that would that kill you during this time of season. So I understand the business reasons of why they want to do that, but the bad thing is is that it kind of puts the professional in a, in a little bit of a pickle, especially as an NP, because a, a, a doc, those rules don't apply to physicians. 
they do not have to physically assess a patient. They just have to have a history, and they can write a they can write a medicine form. And that's how that works in the hospital. People call up and say, "Here's what I'm seeing and current vital signs," and here, give me orders, and they call in the orders form. But it doesn't work that way for NPs. We have to physically assess, at least in Ohio. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of states that are that way. And um, it really comes down to what the Board of Pharmacy rules are as well. So you might want to check there because it could be buried outside of the Nurse Practice Act and put into the Board of Pharmacy. Might say, you know, uh, a nurse practitioner shall not write prescriptions for blah, 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 unless they physically assess the patient. Or they may say, you know what, we will deem... um, this uh, an unauthorized prescription if it hasn't had a physical assessment. I haven't seen one like that, but I could see where a, f- a pharmacy board would have something that would be tied to it. What else do we want to talk about? I think that covers that one. Beat up on it enough. There was um, a couple people on Facebook that made this comment, and um, I'm going to come to John's defense. John Canyon down in Texas, he's a good dude, he, um, there was a comment that said, how many people get, um, orientation period, and how long, and so it goes into this orientation discussion again, new grads, want to, want to feel comfortable in what they're doing, and, um, it's nervous, it's scary, right, it's, it's a, it's a rough time for everybody as a nurse practitioner coming out when you haven't had that liability, and then all of a sudden, as soon as you start typing on a keyboard, it gets real, real quick when you start sending medicines to the pharmacy. But the question was, you know, what's your, it was pretty innocuous, you know, what kind of orientation? And then the threads all became kind of two-sided. There was, I want a month and a half or the really exorbitant amount of time of of orientation so I can have, you know, a nice landing pad to, to, to glide onto. And John made a comment, I think, on there. I think it was this thread. And he said uh, something like, uh, orientation, that's cute. What's that? You know, or something like that. I don't know. If, I'm, I'm not trying to quote you, dude. I don't, I don't know exactly what you said. But everybody was like, you know, kind of jumping in his shit a little bit about, you know, how kind of straight up, straightforward he was. And um, it was that one. And there was another one, too, that he, he made some comments on. And I think... Um, there has been multiple people, oh man, well, I'll touch on this one too, and this one was even more fired up. But the, the thing about the orientation, it just, like, every time I see this question, I say her to myself and look at it and say, it's not that big a deal. It really, really isn't, guys. Don't worry about orientation. You're, you're, the, the people that are hiring you aren't going to throw you under the bus unless you went to the wrong place in the first instance, in which case you ain't going to stay there. So, you know, if you're going to go work for an FQAC, yeah, you're, you're going to get zero help. You're on your own, basically. Go. <laughs> That's the experiences that I've seen through FQHCs. Because they don't have the resources. They're just pounding people out. And then they get paid modestly, but it's, it's not a huge amount of money because it's all indigent people. So you don't make a lot of money per person, but they, they crank out the money you know, total, because you make you see 30 people a day, or something ridiculous, and these are sick, sick people, so you burn out quick doing FQHCs, from what I've seen, the problem with orientations is this, it looks weak when we beg for them, when we're dealing with other professionals that don't get them, and I'm not trying to be mean, I'm really not, I, I, it's, orientation's great, I love it, I wish I could get some, 
I wish everybody could have, you know, a two-month orientation into their job. But do you think an MD or a DO gets an orientation? They get shown how to use the computer and then they go. And, And yet we want to be, a lot of us want to be autonomous. And we want respect. So how can we ask for those two things and beg for things like orientation. Now, in reality, it's almost, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, a moot point. It doesn't really matter because you're not going to be credentialed everywhere day one anyways. So if, if your practice has a brain, they're going to let you see one to two people an hour that are on your insurances and maybe throw, if you're sitting there with nothing to do, they'll throw some people at you just because they want to keep you busy. And within a week or two, you're going to be like, all right, seriously, come on. So let's speed this up a little bit. You just will. Unless you're doing, you know, subspecialty or something. Yeah, then then I could see maybe orientation being a little bit more appropriate. But if you're going to family practice or you're doing, you know, uh, internal medicine or you're, you're, you're doing a pediatric clinic or, you know, something like that, then that's that's a different animal. It's, it's really not that difficult. Inpatient, this is my experience as outpatient. So, you know, inpatient may be very well different. So I'm not going to say that that's not true. It might, you really might need an orientation in an inpatient, but I doubt it. I doubt that you're going to need an overwhelmingly huge amount of orientation. What you rather would have would be a number of patients per hour of expected for the first week, two weeks, month, six weeks, and then, you know, six months in, what's the goal? And that should be, you should have some targets. It shouldn't just be open-ended because then you're never going to get comfortable. You have to force yourself to be in an uncomfortable spot to get better. Nothing gets strong by not being stressed. Look at trees. Trees don't grow well if there's no wind. They get stronger because of the wind. It needs stress. Your life needs stress. That's the only way you're going to grow. So the orientation thing I think is kind of moot it's not that big a deal but everybody wanted to argue or debate the point of whether whether uh, an orientation should be needed or not needed or you know the experienced people were like that's cute you know we don't have any orientation just go do your job and then, so then there was this like resentment from the, the old versus new and I'm in the I'm, I'm on the newer side of this experience and I'm still saying it's moot you don't really need it some places you probably will, so it's not at all everybody. But for most part, if you're working in an outpatient practice, you, you kind of need to just go. Start doing it. The sooner the better. The other one I saw that was great on Facebook. Um, <laughs> it, it, it really got people fired up. It was pretty, pretty bad. The other one that, that was good... Um, Sorry, I had to break there. I didn't take a sip of something. Was um, relating to the disparity between men and women in negotiation power. And um, how how there was a pretty big pay difference between men in the profession and women in the profession. And yet men are still the minority. A strong minority. I mean, we're like, you know, 5 to 10% somewhere there. But it's rising because there's more and more guys going into NP world. And um, I didn't look at any of the studies. And there was an article that was linked to the post. I didn't even read it. But some of the some of the uh, comments, and I didn't jump in this one at all. So if somebody tagged me, I didn't even see it. I don't want to get into this one too much. Into the bickeringness on in textual form on Facebook. Because no one's going to win. 
So the, the idea is that, that men make more than women, and it was like 15% more. It was a substantial amount of money. And um, the, the point that I thought was important or interesting, or both, whatever, was that the themes that I saw, and I didn't stay in this one, there was a lot of posts and, and, and sub-threads, but just scanning through the threads, it looked like a common theme of women don't have the negotiation power to be able to command the money that a male would. And my question is, I don't understand that. I really don't. Because you don't have to take the job. <laughs> if it's a job and you're like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I want this job. I really want it. And, you know, I'm making crap money, but I really want the job. You can walk away. You can find something else. You can hold out. That's what negotiation's about. So the disparity, I don't think, is because the employers prefer the men over the women. I really don't think that employer is an employer... I wouldn't care. And I guess maybe some people are that way. And would, you know, geez, I really want a male that I'll pay him 10, 15% more because I want a guy. I just, I'm sure that happens, but I don't think that's a large majority of it. And so I I think that what's important is that every NP, regardless of who they are, where they come from, what their background is, what sex they are, what their age is, what race, I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you're a smart individual and you go into the deal with open eyes and you say, look, I'm not willing to do that job, you've got negotiation power. And that's what I'm trying to help you guys with. I really am. I want you guys all to be successful in negotiating. I want every single one of you out there to kick ass in your next contract. I want you to get the top dollar you can command and I want you to be able to, to uh, meet the obligations of the contract and do it well because that makes us all look good. And the more professional you are in the contracting phase, the higher you're going to be respected because they're going to be like, oh yeah, this person's a business person. They understand the, the idea of the business. They'll be more apt to pay you. Now they're going to also expect you to not you know, follow them around like a puppy dog looking for answers on everything. That doesn't work either. So you can't make a ton of money and then and then ask for things like orientation. <laughs> you can't do it. You were either going to be treated as a professional and you're going to negotiate as such and, and be willing to walk away. That was one of the things I did say in one of these other ones. This was two different threat, two different posts, I think, about negotiations. You got to be willing to walk away. So look, you know, I just, I, uh, I really want to work here. I think I can, I see myself in this employment position. I see myself working with your staff. They, they, oh, everybody appears really well put together. I think this is a great organization. I really want to be it, but you know what? The pay is just not where it needs to be. Where should it be? What value do I hold in my job? How much can I bring into this practice? How much do you think you can squeeze out? I mean, if you go in and you're a new grad and you say, I want 150, that's unreasonable. You're never going to get that. Because you're not going to bring that much money to the table. So the first time you negotiate, it's going to always be a little bit lower than probably what you are probably worth. Even though you try. But you should try. They're not going to be offended. No one's going to be offended in a contract negotiation if you come in with a high number. Now, they may just skip you and go to the next person. So you can't be insane. You can't come in with a 150 when you're really maybe shooting for 100. That just doesn't work. 
But if they offer 85, you say, look, I'm not willing to do that. I, you know, I got a lot of liability. I'm new with this. You know, I just I want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're going to get a top quality product. But whether you pay me 85 or 110, there's really not going to be much difference for you because I'm going to be pulling in about 250 to $400,000 a year for you, depending on what you're doing. So you paying me an extra $20,000 probably isn't going to hurt you. You're going to probably still make out like a bandit. And knowing that you know that, them knowing that you know that, now that that veil is gone, then they can say, all right, yeah, all right, well, maybe we can't do this. I can't get the board to agree to, you know, 110, but I can do 102 or 108 or something like that. Or 100 or 95. And then you say, you know what, that's fine. I'll take a lower fee for the first year, but by year two, I expect to be making 130. You set that expectation in the beginning it makes it easier when you come back to them a year later and say, look, we're renegotiating the contract. Remember when I said 130? Yep, I remember that, Jeff. Well, I'm not kidding. Here's my here's my reports from this last year, and guess what? I made you 300 grand. There's zero reason that you can't keep me on at 130. Done. See how the negotiation works? You gotta know your value. So I didn't really mean to talk about negotiation, but, but it kind of leads into the first part of this discussion is why do nurse practitioners typically get undervalued and it's because they don't know their worth so it's your obligation as an NP to know what you're worth so that when you go into a negotiation you know all the variables of what's going on so that when they start making changes oh well we can't do that but we can do a bonus structure okay well how's your bonus structure gonna work how many patients do I have to see is that attainable Maybe we'll do it for a, a trial period of six months, and if it's not even feasible for me to get that at, we're gonna renegotiate the deal. So you can you can shame on me for six months, but after that, you don't, you don't get that deal again. And once they invest the money in bringing you on board and getting you credentialed, it's a lot harder for them to just say, oh, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna bend. So now you have more negotiation power in that second, that second term. Because they don't really, if you're doing a good job and you're bringing money in, they don't want to rock that boat. You're making an easier decision for them to keep you. I joke around all the time, but I really, I kind of want to try this sometime. I want to have one envelope. has my resignation letter. And another envelope with my new salary. And I'm going to put them both down on a table and I'm going to say, look, you get to pick which one you want. (laughs) <laughs> be willing to walk away. That's my point. You got to be hard-nosed about that. Even though it may be scary. You know, it's, it's, it's hard, I think, for nurses in particular because we have a desire, we, me, me included, to want to make things easier for people and be nicer to people and take, take care of them. And, and so we have this innate just quality. And that's one of the reasons I went into nursing was because I, I harbored that quality and it, it was contra to what I, what I, had to deal with in engineering and, and certainly if I would have practiced as, as a lawyer you know full time it would have it would have really been contrary to that but I think we want to we want to help people and we want to we want to make it easy for them so we we tend to just bear the burden part of that is through our contract negotiations and I think that for some reason whether it's just um the idea that a lot of men are coming into the profession as a secondary profession and have had other life experiences that maybe that they're they're able to do that I don't know I, I don't know if that's the answer or not I don't know there's no studies that I can imagine that show this maybe there are I don't know um, 
It'd be interesting to look up. Ian, go look that one up, dude. See if you can find that one. I'll talk about Ian in another show. I got stuff to talk about with him. He's cool. And uh, got, got some interesting things going for him. Not me. He does. I just happen to be listening to him do some stuff. Really cool stuff, man. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I've got I to listen to a couple more things and figure some things out. But I will. I promise. I'll promote you, man. Um, that's all I got today. I'm almost at work. It's kind of choppy. It's a choppy show today. I haven't done one for a week or so. And uh, it's been good Thanksgiving. I was out in the woods with the kids. Sitting in Blaze Orange. Took some shots at some deer. Kind of far away. Didn't have a good shot. I tried. I wouldn't have shot if it was if my kids weren't there. But they were like, shoot them, shoot them. Yeah, right. I know. Peer pressure. My kids give me peer pressure. It's all right. It was fun. We're going to go back out, I think, this weekend. Anyways, guys, I appreciate you guys listening to me drone on about different random stuff. But it's so much fun for me to listen to you guys and talk to you guys and learn from you guys. And uh, I hope you guys are learning something, too. Keep giving me emails. Jeff at the npdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook. Shoot me a PM through the Facebook page. Um, if you friend me personally, I'm good with that. Just make sure that you've got something nurse related. If I don't accept your friendship, it's because I don't know who you are and I've been bitten before by weirdos that, that just, you know, I don't trust people anymore, I guess. So, um, if you don't have that, I'm not going to accept your friendship. Don't forget to like and share the show as much as possible. You guys can always tag me on something. Sometimes it tells me, sometimes it doesn't. If, um, if you guys want to help support the show financially, you can either use the donate button or you can go on and use the Amazon affiliate link, which is doing really well right now. So go ahead and go with the momentum, guys. Keep buying your uh, Christmas presents through Amazon because come January, it's going to, you know, I have to pay for my web hosting and Christmas is over. So there's no reason to buy tons of stuff through Amazon. I guess I do all year round, but if you guys aren't, then uh, that makes it hard to help share the uh, the burden of paying for stuff. So I appreciate you guys doing that. That have been. So those that you haven't, if you haven't considered it, please consider supporting the show financially by using the Amazon affiliate link. All right. Give me a rating. I want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, you guys, I want you just to have a lot of fun. I want you guys to be safe, be smart, and we'll talk soon.